0: Bucks never stop here. You're listening to Green and Growing, hosted by Sparky Pfeiffer and Nathan Marzion. Okay, man, it is another edition of Green and Growing. See Sparky Pfeiffer, along with our guy, Nathan Marzion, Bucks super fan. He is here with you each and every time we do Green and Growing. And listen, normally we do these on Tuesdays and Thursdays, like today is Thursday. We record them, and then you can find them. Uh, right there in your feed on Wednesday and Friday morning. So, tomorrow morning when you wake up, uh, the Green and Growing Podcast would be there for your friends, your family members that have never listened to us. Password along to check us out. Also, while you're doing that, password along that the 16th Annual Fan Toy Drive's last day is tomorrow, Friday. Or as you're listening to this, it would be today, I guess, if you're listening on Friday. Uh, and you can donate online. You can get down to Blaine's Farm and Fleet in Oak Creek uh, at 1250 a.m. The fan.com is for Children's Wisconsin. Uh, and Robin's Nest which is a great uh, arm of Children's Wisconsin, deals with foster families, group homes and stuff like that for uh, young adults and kids. Uh, so, again, every toy counts. Every dollar counts. We'd we'll love to see out at Blaine's Farm and Fleet at some point or see your online donation. All of that would be very cool. OK, uh, also a special shout out to uh, Dave Cottrell uh, and his family, uh, a.k.a. Bubba Fight, if you've been following along that story for the last decade. They've been coming out uh, to the toy drive. Uh, his son now 10 years uh, ago was diagnosed with cancer and then had a long fight there after that. And now uh, as a freshman in high school and doing a play and the whole deal and his name is Dawson and the whole thing worked out. But uh, so they came out and donated a bunch of toys. So a special thanks to them. John and Franklin uh, donated uh, some cash earlier today uh, as well. Thanks to them. Franklin Firefighters donated a twenty five hundred dollar check today. So thanks to uh, the Franklin firefighters. All right, Nathan Marziam. Now that uh, all of that is out of the way, how was Thanksgiving for you? Because you and I haven't talked since uh, what uh, mid last week before Thanksgiving.
1: Yeah, it was good. Um, very relaxing. Got to spend some time with the family and watch some football, watch some basketball, and so yeah, I mean, I, I had a good time. It was it was nice and relaxing. I'm not a I'm not a huge party holiday person. Like I don't enjoy New Year's. I don't enjoy Halloween. Um, what is but- your
0: prop? What do you mean? What is wrong I love, with you?
1: I love Thanksgiving. I love Christmas. I love those chill holidays where it's not too much, you know, there's not too much going on. It's just kind of like you see the family, you're hanging out
0: and that's it. Okay. Hold on now. See, this is, this is what happens on this podcast. Sometimes it just goes sidetracked and when we go away from talking about the bucks and we go about learning about young Nathan and really what is the life of a, a young Nathan Marzian really all about. I remember at some point and my memory's going, you know, I'm older, I'm in my late forties. So tell me if I'm wrong, but I thought I've seen you on social media over the last couple of years talking about chicks coming up to you in the club. Oh, you Are you Nathan on Twitter? Oh. So is that true?
1: It is, but it's oh, not. Yeah, yeah. You know, hold, on, hold on. Hold on. Hold on.
0: Hold on. Stop half talking. Half the time, half the time when so I do that, I'm joking around. You go to the club. But you like being chill at home. So you aren't going to any Halloween parties with these girls all dressing all like they dress and stuff at Halloween. You aren't doing none of that stuff. You're sitting at home playing video games or something, or what? I'm watching basketball.
1: I, I I do go out on the weekends, but I feel like when it's Halloween, there's just too much. It it becomes too much. Like it's not even it's not fun for me anymore. And it's just a lot of like there's too much okay. going on and a lot of pressure to like go to everything and do all this stuff and dress up and then the How New old Year's are you? Eve. Twenty two.
0: 22 are other 22 year olds thinking it's too much for them too. Or are you the only one?
1: I'm like the only one. Like my friends were trying to get me to go out on Halloween and I was just like, no, I'm fine. I'm going to hang out and watch basketball and, you know, do my little, do my little thing. But I mean, again, average weekend. Yes. I'll go out. Like I'll be going out this weekend. Got the big Marquette Wisconsin game. After that, we're going to go out to the bars and everything. We're going to have a good time. So yes, I'm, I'm out quite a bit, but on, you know, on, on Halloween, on those big days, I kind of like to chill more because I,
0: I don't know. It just the scene becomes a little bit too much. One second. So New Year's Eve, then at the end of this month, because we're in December, not December first. Yeah. Will Nathan Marzian be out on New Year's Eve, out and about gallivanting with some lucky young young lady, or will Nathan Marzian be at home watching college basketball or something? Um,
1: I would I would put it at like a fifteen percent chance that I go out.
0: Dude, you, How, you don't hey. you don't get to relive 22 at like 30. New, new you only Year's get one shot at 22. New Year's,
1: new, new Year's is not fun though. It's never fun. It always is overhyped, and there's way too much pressure going to the night, and it always disappoints.
0: <sighs> what? And the oh covers
1: downtown are like 30 bucks, and it's just oh, so expensive. Okay,
0: yeah, fine, fine. Okay, listen. Okay, lot, get, if your reason okay. is it's too expensive. And just lead with, it's too expensive. I don't make enough. Like, it's too expensive. Dude, I've been there. I've worked at Radio my whole life. I get the too expensive part. Totally understand. I get it. What I don't understand is, you are 22. Seems pretty popular to me. Not a bad looking dude. And you're at home on all these party nights? Like, that's just, I don't know. It's kind of mind-blowing to me a little bit. I Maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. Tweet at Nathan Marzion. You know, if you want to go out for New Year's Eve, he's are you. Are you single? I never, guys, I never asked. Yes, you I am. Yeah. You have a girl? No, no, I don't have a girl. I am single. I am single. If you have a girl, she's going to have to come on the podcast. I just,
1: that should no, no, be. No. I, yeah, I do not. I do not
0: at nathan marzion if you want to go out new year's eve he's got nothing going he's just going to sit at home and watch tv and have some cheetos so if you're interested marzion is here if you're scared to go to nathan you can come through me and i'll i'll be the one that'll hook you up this is fun isn't it because you want to know why this is fun nathan because this is what people did to me when i was your age and i was working in radio they did the same thing like for the next decade after that because i was i I didn't get serious with anybody until much longer uh, later in life than 22. So I've been through the peer pressure. Now I get to apply it to you. It's fun. I enjoy it. Uh, Okay, let's talk about Chris Middleton. Let's get to some Bucks talk. We wasted six minutes talking about everything else. Chris Middleton is coming back. It's not a joke. It's serious. He looks good in street clothes from what I can tell, from what I could see on the sidelines. Look like he's having fun and laughing and joking and carrying on. But now he's going to get to play. And I'm sure there's going to be some type of minutes restrictions as they ease him back in and so forth. Uh, And we'll see what this looks like. But anytime you add somebody into the mix, regardless if they're a player that has played with these guys or not, I think there's still going to be a little bit of an adjustment period. Uh, And I would expect there to be an adjustment period here as well, Mr. Marzion, with Chris Milton coming back into the fold.
1: Yeah, it'll take a little bit for I think it to click completely. But, I mean, these guys, this whole team is pretty much the same as last year. And it's not like these guys haven't played together before they've been you know, together for a while now. And so um, I expect it to be a pretty smooth transition. I expect him to kind of get back into the thick of things pretty quickly. And, you know, I I have higher expectations for him right away than I think most do. I think they, you know, uh, this isn't a case of, okay, they're going to be working him back much. I think they waited and they want him to be a hundred percent. When he came back, they didn't rush him back. They weren't, you know, trying to get him back at 70% and then just keep him, you know, kind of progress him a little bit on a little bit of a restriction and get him to a hundred. I think, He's at 100%. He's ready to go and I think we're going to see Chris Middleton. It's been it's been what, 7 over 7 months since we've seen Chris Middleton on the floor. I mean, it's been so long and the offense has just been um, you know, inconsistent and guys just not being able to completely create their own shots and stuff like that and it'll just be nice to have that back in the offense here and something that we've missed for so many possessions or just you wish you had those, you know, iso possessions where you could just give it to Chris and let him go to work and get a bucket for you. And that's something that I'm just excited to see again, see this team healthy, completely together and um, see how they look. And, and, you know, we got some good games coming up, so it's a good time to get them back.
0: Talk about last night's game against the Pacers quickly because I was on Twitter complaining. Um, So I'm going to complain here too. And I said on Twitter, look, maybe I'm being nitpicky, but you had back-to-back possessions at the end of that game before Grayson Allen hit that shot. And, And I'm happy. Grayson, good. That's a positive to build on. Let's see what we can do with it. But with Giannis uh, and Drew Holiday, both taking shots early uh, in shot clock possessions in a tight game of, what was it, two, three points at the end of that game. I I didn't like it, not a fan of it. And maybe I'm old school, but if I've got the lead, I'm running clock. Like, I'm not trying to give the other team more time to make shots to close this thing out or win this basketball game. Uh, And in both situations, they both came down, crossed the center line. I don't believe either one made a pass both immediately took a jumper. Giannis took a jumper that was God awful. Uh, and Drew took a jumper prior to that. And I was just kind of shaking my head like you're a veteran team. I mean, I understand if you've got the arrogance and the confidence that say, ah, whatever, not a big deal. We're going to beat this team regardless. Even if they tie, we'll figure out a way to win it at the end. I, I guess maybe that's what goes along with the swag of having a really good team. Uh, but for me, if I was Bud, I would have been like, guys, what are we doing? We're up two, three points. Like, let's run some clock. We've got the best player in the world in the half court. Like, it'll be okay. We'll get something. But to your point as far as not having enough guys to create shots, that was part of the problem in the playoffs last year when you didn't have Middleton. You didn't have those guys that consistently enough could create their own shots, and that led to problems. But did you have an issue last night with Giannis and and Holiday taking those uh, shots early in the possession at the end of that game?
1: I thought they did force a little bit, and. But it's also something that and and going back to the playoffs, like I remember there were so many possessions, not necessarily, you know, late clutch possessions, but just in general, so many possessions where it did feel like Giannis and Drew were forcing it a bit and trying to kind of just make something happen. And I remember kind of my dad and, you know, we we would kind of just your initial reaction is like, oh, come on, guys. Like, what was that shot? But then you think about it and you're like, you know, with no Chris, it's like who else is going to be taking those shots like that can consistently, you know, shoot off the dribble or try to create it for themselves. It's like, would you rather have, you know, Pat Connaughton, Grayson Allen, like, like not really, I'd rather just have Drew Holiday and Giannis do it. And so it, it just, it has been ugly at times. And there's been times where it, it just kind of, um, you know, looks a little bit forced. And that's what I'm hoping that opens up with, with Chris coming back is just, you know, take some pressure off those guys, open up the floor a little bit. It'll help Giannis out. It'll help Drew out. It'll help Grayson out, Pat out every single player on the court that's going to help out. And, yeah, just another guy that you can give the ball to in those situations and take some pressure off those guys that they don't have to be all the only two guys that can really make a play off the dribble.
0: I don't want to read into things because we're new in our relationship. But I it's, I want to follow up on something. So end of game situation, need a bucket. Based on how you're talking, even though you're the president of the Giannis fan club, I feel like you're kind of more comfortable with Middleton in that situation, maybe than you are with Giannis in that situation. I mean, what what kind of shot are we talking here? A jump shot? Down yes. one, need a shot. You know, 10 um, seconds left on the clock, whatever. You need a shot. Get Who's it to mo- Chris. Where you get
1: going? it to Chris and then run a pick and roll with Giannis, and then you have multiple options there. I'll wait. Is, if I need a bucket, right if I need, that, hold on. If I need a bucket, Giannis yeah. is Giannis is best as a roll man going to the hoop, not just giving the ball at the top of the key and say go do something. Can he go make a play? Absolutely. We've seen him do it a million times. But it's more it's it's easier to generate a defense against that and kind of just someone can plant themselves and you know, take, take a, a charge. charge or something. Yep. But if you can get a move and if you can get the ball in Chris's hands where he comes off a screen and. Um, you know, can either shoot the mid-range, which we know he can do very well, can give it to Giannis, or the defense collapses completely and someone else open it to me. The the Chris Giannis pick and roll, I'm very excited to see that again because that's the thing that um, opens up our offense the most and I think generates so, the most good looks.
0: We agree. Neither one of us want to see Giannis pounding the ball for 10 seconds and then like a bull go running down the lane to try and go do something. I yeah. hate that. He does it and it drives me nuts. Love me some Giannis, best player in the world not trying to bash Giannis. I'm just saying I don't like that decision-making when he does that. And to go to the Chris Middleton point, we talked about this a million times on the Wendy's Big Show over the years as far as last-second situation. And when we did this, was it last year or two years ago, like everybody was saying Middleton or Holiday. Those were the two guys. Nobody was saying Giannis when they were calling into the shows or doing a Twitter poll or whatever. Everybody felt more confident with those other two guys taking that shot at the end of the game. And you being, like I said, the president of the Honest Fan Club, as you were talking about Middleton, I was like, and as I'm listening to this, I think he also feels like maybe Middleton should have the ball in his hands at the end of the game. Hey, that's where I'm at. Like, you don't have to convince me. I I think if you line these guys up as guys who you have faith in hitting a big shot at the end of the game, as as much as our guy Ram on the north side back in the day on the fan hates Chris Middleton, that is the guy that I feel most comfortable with Taking that shot at the end. Nothing against Giannis, but like you said, they're different players. Different guys have different strengths. And and Middleton and Drew Holiday, to me, have the better opportunity to break somebody down off the dribble and figure out how to get a shot for themselves or a shot for somebody else. Uh, and Giannis and your pick and roll with Middleton, love it, brilliant. How much will Bud actually run that in that situation? It's another question. But yeah, I love that idea uh, too. So now when you talk about bringing Middleton back and how he fits in, to me, that's the biggest piece of the puzzle that you like not that they're in a ton of close games where they need something at the end a lot of times they're running away from teams in the fourth and the game's over with two three minutes to go but in situations like and we're gonna talk about the Celtics later in the in the podcast but in situations like that where you need a big shot in a playoff game against Boston or in a big regular season game at the end and you're on the road and the crowd's going crazy and you need somebody with ice in their veins to hit a shot I, hey Chris Middleton's probably your number one option at this point. That's how I think he impacts the Bucs more than anything else returning is these end-of-game situations. Yeah, he'll get his shots throughout the game, but end-of-game situations, I think, is his biggest impact.
1: Yeah, and again, as you said, it's it's absolutely nothing against Giannis. It's literally just the style of play. You're gonna trust the guy that can, you know, more, more efficiently hit a hit a jump shot and be able to kind of raise up over, over guys on jumpers and um, hit, the, hit hit a shot from, you know, further on the floor than the guy that is more just a driver and a play finisher and a dunker. Um, you know, not to say Giannis can't hit a jump shot if he, if he needed to, but it's like I, you, the, the way they play, you're going to want the ball in Chris's hands to, to start the play at least more. And again, try to generate something for Giannis going towards the basket. Sure. But um, if you're just telling me, you know, give the ball to someone, it's probably Chris, but yeah. And, and even, like I said, not even just in those, clutch scenarios but just in general to have that guy back that you can just give the ball to and you know he can break someone down and hit an outside shot and hit some contested mid-ranges and hit some contested threes and just adding that back is going to just be so helpful because they've missed it so much it just everything feels a little bit you know a little bit forced a little bit clogged up a little bit like you know they just don't have they need one more one more creator and we've been waiting for him to get back and he's finally back so it'll be it'll be very exciting to see
0: I'm going to bring up something else. I saw multiple people last night on social media bring up, and that was the usage of Javon Carter and how little they're using Javon Carter on the offensive end. And when you get closer to fourth fourth quarter scenarios and how they kind of forget about him in fourth quarter scenarios offensively. Uh, I don't necessarily disagree with that. I think it's a pecking order thing we talked about before. Who's going to fall out of this rotation once everybody is healthy? Uh, We still don't know the answer to that. I mean, Jordan Wara is definitely going to fall out of the rotation. Beauchamp already has fallen out of the rotation. Uh, And I would think that Javon Carter will kind of stay in there with Pat Connaughton and be that fourth guard uh, that'll rotate uh, in and off the court with Drew Holiday and and Grayson Allen. I want to see whether or not they can figure out who this sixth man is is going to be. That's what I'm kind of anxious to see with Bud. Like, Who are you going to go to as that first man off the bench? With all due respect to Pat Connaughton, one in every, what, 10, 15 games, maybe he'll get hot coming off the bench and hits consecutive threes and get you a little energy. Like, I tend to feel a little bit more confident, as crazy as it sounds, maybe in Javon Carter coming in and providing some quick instant offense and get you quick five, seven points because of his defensive intensity, creating a steal, getting a transition basket, hitting a shot. For me, I kind of feel like Carter might even make more sense than Connaughton as far as coming off the bench first to provide some offense.
1: Yeah, or do you? Or do you, we talked about this earlier? Do you start Javon Carter still? Do you keep him in that starting lineup and roll with that? Um, you know, it's nice that they have plenty of options both ways. They can, you know, they have guys they can start instead of Javon Carter. They have guys that can come off the bench. Nobody's, you know, um, picky about their role. Nobody's coming to complain if they need to come off the bench. Like it's a, it's a fine problem to have. They have options, but um, yeah, I agree. I mean, I love Pat. I think, I think Javon gives you a little bit on both ends and that's probably what, you know, that's probably why they're going to still consider starting him. Even when Chris comes back is just what he's giving you on both ends compared to guys like Pat, guys like Grayson, um, those other guards that they have, you know, George Hill or whatever. It's like that he just gives you, he just gives you more on both ends. So, um, yeah, as I said, good problem to have, and you still got Bobby there that can, you know, is a, arguably the sixth man. So plenty of guys coming off the bench.
0: Green growing podcast. He's Sparky Fiver from uh, 1250 AM. The fan doing the fan toy drive ends on Friday, December 2nd at 6 PM at blades Farm and fleet in Oak Creek. Donate online. If you could for children's Wisconsin and Robins nest at 1250 AM, the or simply come on down. If you are in Southeastern Wisconsin, to Oak Creek on Friday, December 2nd, Donate a toy. I'll be there for most of the day, starting at 6 a.m. If you're on your way into work, drop off a toy on your way in. Nathan Marzian, Buck's super fan. Follow him and Nathan Marzian, single and available ladies. He is here for the taken. Yes, he's here for the taken. Question number two, where do you have Giannis in the MVP race currently? A lot, a lot of Jason Tatum uh love being thrown around right now uh for this mvp race that i'm seeing on social media uh nathan where do you have Giannis uh, in this mvp race right now because he's playing better as of late
1: yeah he was he was number one for me for sure that you know the first couple weeks of the season then he hit a little bit of a a rough stretch there for i don't know a week and a half two weeks where still put up fine numbers and whatever but it just wasn't quite as efficient as he normally is and the free throws got really bad and um just didn't look quite like himself and now I mean the last five games he's averaging 36 10 and 6 and you know shooting 60 percent from the field so he's been back to being incredible and if he keeps this up he's gonna be in the top two I, I I really do believe I don't I don't see a way where like you know Luca is looking really good but his team just isn't there even like Steph Curry's team has not been very good um Booker could sneak in the top three. He's been pretty good. He had a he huge put up night last night. Forty-four
0: against the Kings the other night.
1: He had fifty. Yeah, he had fifty-one last night. Sheesh. So he he's had some huge games to uh you know got to kind of boost his his uh, MVP status up and the the Suns are winning right now so that could help. But um, I do think right now it's between Giannis and Tatum. I don't really know who I'd put first. You could say Tatum because the Celtics are number one and he's he has been really good. But um, I don't know. It, it's it's interesting to me because Giannis has that off stretch. And I feel like a lot of people notice it. A lot of people, and maybe it's because it's, it's Bucks fans and I'm noticing it. that people are noticing it more, but I felt like it got a little bit talked about more of, you know, Giannis is struggling a little bit and it's like during that same stretch, Tatum actually was struggling a little bit too. And I he had a couple you know, pretty poor shooting nights and stuff like that. And it's like, I don't know. They're pretty even. This isn't like Tatum has been 100% consistent all season long. And Giannis has you know, has been inconsistent, but, um, I think they're both right there. They're both averaging over thirty, and you know the the two best teams in the league right now. It, it might just come down to who ends up, you know, being number one in the East if they both keep this up. But one thing I will say is I'm more confident in Giannis keeping up this level all season long than I am Tatum. Now maybe Tatum has just taken that leap and will keep it up all season long, and this is just who he is. But um, we've seen Tatum go on stretches before where he's been really, really good, and then he has some you know off games, and I feel like. That's what's kind of kept him from being a superstar and rather just being a, a second-tier star. So we'll see if he can keep it up. But we 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 do know that Giannis is gonna keep it up because that's just who Giannis has been the past, you know, four or five years.
0: Let's well, let's go back to what you said earlier. So Giannis is struggling. You look at Tatum's numbers, and he's struggling too, and you start going back and forth. This is what I'll tell you about voters. Nobody gives a damn about what happens in November. Nobody's gonna talk about what happens in December they're going to look at the big picture. They're going to look at the overall stats, the overall numbers. They're going to look at efficiency numbers on the offensive side and the defensive side. They're going to look at key statistical categories that they always analyze. They're going to look at big games against big teams, right? So what do they do against each other in those games throughout the course of the season? They're going to look at where the teams are. Like you said, uh, if is Milwaukee one, is Boston one? Who's ranked higher? Who's got more wins? All of that is going to come into consideration. Now, the other aspect of this, That you didn't bring up that could be brought up is Ah Giannis has already won it, you know. Tatum hasn't won it yet. Let's give it to Let's give it to uh, Tatum this time. Giannis already has Defensive Player of the Year MVP. He's got He's got everything. Let's give it to Tatum and change it up and give it to somebody else. That may be the deciding factor at the end of the day. These writers may just be like, We're gonna give it to Jason Tatum. We give it to Giannis every year. We're just gonna give it to Jason Tatum and let him have it. And we've talked about this in the past, right? Michael Jordan should have won MVP probably every almost every damn year. Uh, you know, past his first couple of years in the NBA when they started winning. Didn't happen. Steve Nash has multiple MVPs. Was Steve Nash really the best player in the league those years? Probably not. But he has multiple MVPs when he played for, uh, for the Phoenix Suns. So that all has to be taken into consideration. I think if these numbers are somewhat comparable at the end of the year, for me, and maybe I'm missing something, and if you're a Celtics fan, you can tweet at Sparky Radio and tell me I'm wrong. I think Yannis about a defensive player. So, if the offensive numbers are close, now I'm going to go look at the other side, and I would have to imagine, metrics-wise, that Giannis is going to be a better player than Jason Tatum on the defensive end of the floor. So, for me, that would be the deciding factor. If I was a voter, okay, fine, offense, fairly similar. Now, let's go talk about the defense. And if one is, is significantly better than the other defensively, then that's your deciding factor for the MVP race. Now, if both those guys are relatively equal on both sides of the ball – on offense and defense then I do think you go to who's which team has the better record. How do they play head to head when their two teams played each other? And then maybe you make your determination at that point. For me, the whole he's got MVPs already would never come into play. If I was voting, I've never had an MVP vote. So I, I couldn't tell you what the rest of these guys think, but for me, it, it, it wouldn't matter. It would just be that year. That's what I base it off of um, kind of going for. Does that make sense? Nathan.
1: Yeah. And I do, I do hope that that's kind of how it works with most voters because, you know, I just don't want it to be a situation where like Giannis has the better offensive numbers. Giannis is better defensively, but you know, Tatum is still really, really good right behind him and they kind of just give it to him because again, you know, he hasn't won it. Giannis has like if Tatum's going to win it, I want him to either be, you know, the Celtics are pretty clearly the best team in the East and, you know, finish plenty of games ahead of the box to the point where you can say, okay, he's, he's the MVP. Um, and he, he keeps up this level of play or he, you know, he's a good defender. He's been, he's been better at defense, but I still don't think he's not on Giannis's level, but like if he can, you know, if his offensive numbers overall do look a little bit better then okay, there's an argument there to at least give it to him. But it's like, as you said, I want it to be something of You know, if their offensive numbers are comparable, but Giannis is way better defensively and they have about the same record, give it to Giannis. You know, at that point, I don't want it to just become hey, you know, they're close Tatum's probably second, but he hasn't won it, so we're gonna right. make him first. Like, at least yep. just make it something that's deserved. Um, and, and and not that you know, again, both of these guys do kind of deserve an MVP in their own in their own sense of like they both had you know they're they're having great 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 seasons, but um, you know you have to be the best to win MVP, and I don't want it to be anything where other stuff comes into play that has nothing to do with how they're playing this season.
0: All right, let's move on. Topic number three, the final topic on a green and growing episode today. Don't forget. Odyssey, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, all of them carry the Green and Growing podcast. Uh, the new uh, downloads available on uh, Wednesday and Friday mornings. We record them on Tuesday and Thursday nights. How are you feeling? The Bucks stack up with the Celtics as of right now, and we'll include Milton coming back. I guess as, as part of this, as he's due back here. Uh, so, how do you feel they stack up, Bucks versus Celtics? Because right now, it appears clear. They are the two best teams, probably in the NBA and certainly in the Eastern Conference.
1: Yeah, it's it the, in the NBA. It's between you know as of right now, and things can change. It's definitely between them, and then maybe you could throw the Suns in there. Um, Not buying the Suns, but I I I still think the Suns are a good team. That you know, again, if 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 there's a Celtics Suns Finals or a Bucks Suns Finals, I still think it's interesting. Or you know, maybe you know Golden State too. But most other teams, I'd just be like, you know, whoever comes out of the East is going to win that. But if, you know, assuming that, you know, it's going to kind of in the East, especially come down to Bucks and Celtics, it's a very interesting matchup. And, you know, the Bucks right now are number one in defensive rating. The Celtics are number one in offensive rating and both, you know, our, our offense has struggled a little bit. Their defense has struggled a little bit and especially compared to where their defense was last year. Um, but the thing that, you know, the thing that I'm looking at right now is the Bucks have number one defense. Their offense has been, you know, the struggle. But we're getting Chris back. And that's, I'd have to assume, gonna help the offense quite a bit. They're, you know, they have that offense. They've been really good offensively, and they're putting up like 120 something almost every game. But their defense, I don't know how, you know, they've had some injuries and stuff, but I don't I don't know how it gets much better. And, you know, the fact that it's fallen off, it was number one last year, and they're now seventh or they're now 20th in defensive rating is a little bit concerning to me. That you know, I don't. You know, at least with the Bucks' weakness right now, you can see it improving. I'm not sure how I see theirs improving, but they're still winning games. And you know, I I just don't know if you can rely on that offense to always show up and you know put up 120 and Tatum always to be on and be putting up 30, 35, 40 points. Because when that doesn't happen, you're going to need to get those stops. And I still think they're a good defensive team, but you know, so far it's just like the the numbers aren't necessarily there to to back that up. And it seems like they've taken a little bit of a a dip from last year where
0: they were like, you know, the best defensive team. I think you've seen when the Bucks decide we're done messing around, we're going to turn up, we're going to notch up the intensity a little bit on the defensive side of the floor. We haven't seen anybody match the intensity and beat their defensive pressure when they've decided that they're going to play up and get pissed off they're very, very difficult to beat when they're all in on the defensive side of the floor. Very, very difficult. And especially, and you saw it again last night, Brooke Lopez with a huge block at the end of that game last night. Another situation where there's not many dudes like Brooke Lopez in the league that can do what he does around the rim and then pull a guy away from the hoop to be able to shoot a three-pointer uh, on top of that. I think he is the biggest difference maker, and that's something that Boston does not have. And that that's a problem for them, especially when you have to go against Giannis, who can get to the rim and throw it down on anybody's head at any point. Holiday can get to the rim. Middleton has his, time, his uh, has times where he can get to the rim as well. Uh, and I think that's that's the biggest hang up on Boston. As far as their offense goes, hey, man, they got two really good players in Tatum and Jalen Brown. You know, take nothing away from those guys. That That's always been the case. The knock on, on Tatum has always been the inconsistency maybe you know, where he gets red hot and then he kind of falls off for a little while and then he gets red hot. Uh, and Jalen Brown kind of comes and goes as well uh, for that Boston Celtics team over the last couple of years. Then he got Marcus Smart that you got to be concerned about because that dude loves playing head games and doing all that crazy crap when he's on the floor. Al Horford's been a pain in the Bucks behind forever in a day, so you still got to deal with him. That guy will average eight points all year, play the Bucks in the playoffs, and throw up thirty. So you always got to take that into consideration as a Bucks fan because he is a Bucks killer of all kinds. Uh, so you obviously have to be concerned about that a little bit. I just think, and I've said this before. And again, if me was looking at me now, three years ago, I would have said, what, is, what are you on? Uh, but Bud's going to win the coaching matchup. I, I just, I, I just feel really good about that. You're going to have an inexperienced coach again. Uh, that's going to go through the whole year uh, and then get into the playoffs. And then it's playoff basketball and it's different. Playoff basketball is different in, it's different in many ways. Now you're watching, you know, teams game in, game out, game in, game out. They make an adjustment, you make an adjustment. They make an adjustment, you make an adjustment. And a lot of times you're doing it within the game. Now, to Bud's side of this, Bud stinks in the first couple of games of a series, I feel. And this team gets better as the series goes on. And Bud feels like he has a better understanding and grasp of what they're trying to do to the Bucs. Then he makes his adjustments in like game three. Uh, and then the Bucks take off and the series is over and the Bucks move on for whatever reason, they've always struggled in game one of series uh, with Boonholzer. So when you get to the playoffs, I, I just think coaching is going to be too much to handle for them. And I just think them not, ha- unless they get somebody at the trade deadline, but we're saying as of right now, they don't have that shot blocker. So if, if that maintains uh, and you have an inexperienced coach, I, I still like the bucks in a series against the Celtics come playoff time.
1: Yeah, I do. I do like the bucks. If I was picking, you know, uh, right now, I would probably say like bucks in, in six probably because, um, you know, I, I just I can't wait to see how we look, you know, again with Chris back again, because it's just that whole series against them, it's like they had their moments and that you know, that game five comeback where they just hit a bunch of shots. I think they were like six of six in the fourth quarter from three in that game and pulled it out and came back and stuff. But really, other than that, it's like they just did not have the offensive firepower and it was so frustrating because you're like, We just are missing our guy that you know we rely on to to self-create and go get buckets. And it's like, if we just had him, it just feels like everything would be different. So um, it just, I'm, you know, that defense is good and it will still be good. Um, despite, you know, again, them not being super good to start this season, but it's like, I just, I do think that when we're fully healthy and you get Ingles we, back, we haven't talked yeah, about and, him. You're going to have him England. back
0: by playoff time too. And that'll be a guy that can stretch the floor as well and run his mouth.
1: Yeah. And it just, it just feels like we'll be able to um, get to them and, you know, if we can, if with our tremendous defense, if we can step up and, you know, force them to, to, you know, be in the one hundreds rather than the hundred and twenties our offense can do enough to, to get past them. Because I just, I do think that that fully healthy we do have that firepower to get past their defense this year. And um, you know, again, it's very early. You you don't know how everything's going to look the rest of the season, but um, you'd have to imagine right now it's going to come down to us and them and um, I, I do like us in a in a series against them. Still,
0: he is Nathan Marzian, single and available ladies at Nathan Marzian uh, on Twitter. Make sure to to do that. I'm just starting. I'm just starting my campaign for you, buddy. We're just gonna pick up steam as we go along here. Maybe I'll. It's not happening
1: anytime. It's not happening like, anytime. Like so.
0: for Valentine's Day, I'll take a screenshot, maybe the podcast, put a big heart around it with an arrow, and we'll tweet it out, and at so we can find you some women. Oh, it's gonna be fun. Yeah. You'll see that <laughs> he is not happy. <laughs> 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 yeah. Uh, at Sparky radio here at 1250 AM, the fed toy drive, baby 16th annual last day is Friday, December 2nd. Uh, make sure to donate online. If you can't make it to Blaine's farm and fleet in Oak Creek at 1250 AM, the fan for children's Wisconsin. Uh, and of course, Robinson's, which is a great foster arm, uh, for foster parents, foster families, uh, kids in group homes and stuff. They use the toys for some of that, uh, as well. So make sure to donate if you can, please. Much appreciated. We'll be back at this again uh, next Tuesday with another download on Wednesday morning. Uh, enjoy your weekend, Mr. Marzian. What are you doing this week? And you said you're going out Marquette and uh, Wisconsin. I was fearful you weren't going to have a voice today after Marquette crushed Baylor. I almost texted him during the game like, dude, watch the vocal course. And I was like, oh, he's got a couple of days. He'll be fine. Uh, so how crazy was that atmosphere? Because the announcers, uh, Rafferty and those guys were playing it up big time about how loud it was in there.
1: It was good. Um, I, I feel like the student section was bumping. I feel like there wasn't it wasn't like completely packed, and that's usually how it is on weeknight games. Um, we had a game against Illinois last year earlier in the season, huge game, and it was kind of the same thing where like the outside, you know, we were in the student section at that time and the student section was crazy rowdy and it was really loud, but there just it wasn't like there were still empty seats and stuff. That's how it was on Tuesday, but they played so dang good and I really want to beat the Badgers. I you know, those of those that know me and follow me. Yeah. yeah, they know they know how much I hate the Badgers. And, um, you know, this game's always a big deal to me. So I want to I want to beat them bad.
0: It's going to be interesting to see how that game plays out, because Badgers got some young guys playing y- well as well. Uh, Marquette, you know, young guys are playing well. Badgers, young guys are playing well. Badgers are better than I thought they'd be so far. Uh, we'll see if they can keep it up. Uh, Marquette's very young. But, you know, there was a great point brought up after the game. I think it was Jim Jackson that brought it up. Um he said this looks like a vcu team this looks like Shaka's vcu teams and he never got texas to look like that while he was at texas he never got his teams to play that way and you can just see the chaos that marquette's athletes can make for uh, an offense and that's something history says badger history says a team like this will lose to the badgers because the badgers will slow this thing down they will not make a lot of mistakes. They'll hit a bunch of threes, get going. And the other team is going to get bogged down into a half-court game that they do not want to play. And it's going to be a struggle. It'll be a lower-scoring game than anybody wants. And the Badgers will figure out a way to win this basketball game. That's what history says about Badger basketball against a team that's super overly aggressive, wants to get up and run, a bunch of athletes. That's how the Badgers win. And they win more times than they don't against teams like that. So going into this, that's kind of what I'm expecting. I'm expecting the badgers to slow it down, rely on that three point shot to do stuff and hope they hit their shots in order to beat Marquette. But if Marquette disrupts that half court and they get out and they run and they start turning these guys over, Wisconsin's gonna have a hard time winning that game.
1: Yeah, we're gonna, we're gonna need to jump on him right away. Get him, you know, get a lead go in and and put the pressure on them, make them speed it up. Because as you said, it's a, two such different styles and you know, we want to make this a game of athleticism. They want to make it a game of, you know, just slow it down, play it in the fifties, ugly. Right. And the fundamentals went out and now we're, we're, we want to jump on them. And I, I, I like that being at home. It's a little bit easier to kind of play your tempo, I think, and get the crowd into it and get everything just kind of sped up a little bit compared to playing on the road. Do Marquette fans
0: sell to Badger fans?
1: Um, sell I mean, it's
0: like Brewers fans
1: do to Cubs fans. It depends on who you who you talk to. There's some people that don't care. There's some people that hate the badge. I mean, like me, like I would never sell to my Wisconsin fan because I just don't want a Wisconsin fan in the building. But there's plenty of people that don't care that much about the rivalry and stuff. I'm guessing it'll it'll be about, you know, as as it is, even when we go to the Kohl Center, it's about, you know, 70 percent, 75 percent home team and 25, 30 percent road team. So I'm guessing it'll be right around
0: there. That's um, good. then. That's still a majority. Yeah. You don't get to a 50, yeah. 50. That's what you don't want. You don't want no, it to yeah. be a 50, 50 atmosphere for Marquette. That's yeah. the last thing you want. Cause then that's a badger win. Then it's now it's a neutral court game and it's no longer a home court game. So yeah, yeah. It'll, it, it'll be rowdy.
1: So we're going to, I, I believe we're going to get on them right away and we're going to, you know, put the pressure on them. And I think we, I honestly think we win by double digits just because I think if we can get them behind right away and just,
0: it could snowball and really, uh, you know, give us a nice win kind of excited i think they both could be tournament teams which would be nice yeah. it's been a yep. while since we've had both of them be tournament teams and be pretty decent at the same time so yeah. it would be nice to have both teams playing well and maybe get a sweet 16 matchup against each other or something that'd be a lot of fun that'd be, he has that'd be Mars- too, much,
1: too much pressure for me I, I i wouldn't be able to handle that oh this again that would uh, maybe be marquette,
0: maybe marquette can lose before then and then you wouldn't have to worry about the
1: sweet no, 16 matchup. no no that would be that would honestly be like a, a, a tournament game against the badgers it would never reach like NBA finals level for me, but it would be the closest thing you could get to like a finals game of like, you know, okay, a, like Sweet a finals 16. Super Bowl and
0: then pa- Bucks or not Bucks, Marquette Badgers tournament yeah. game. Sweet 16, it's Marquette, Wisconsin. You've got an opportunity to go with your boys to the game. You got a ticket, all set to go. Then you got the hottest chick you've ever seen in your life. I'm going to the game. She wants to go out that weekend. What? We're going to the game. You say no to the hottest chick you've ever seen in your life to go to, a, to the,
1: the Sweet 16 game. There are plenty of girls out there. There's only one time I'd be able to probably one time I'd be able to go to this game. So logically, logically, <laughs> I'm taking the game.
0: Oh my God. I love you. Nathan Marzian, these Sparky Piper. This is so good. I learned so much about Nathan. Uh, we'll see you again coming up. Like I said, Tuesday we'll record Wednesday. It'll be in your feed and uh, have a good weekend. Everybody inclusive, including Mr. Marzian. See if you can find the man, a girl. I think that would be good for him. Enjoy the rest of your weekend. have a good one. Toodles.